This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me, you not gonna do nothing, you are not above me, I bet you wish you was me, I know it, I know What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Only Friends. Only Friends? Wow, we really just <laughs> had that Freudian slip. Finally, it's Monday. <laughs> Jeez. It's going to be a long day, obviously. Welcome back. Hope you all had a good weekend. I'm joined, as always, today only by five of my friends. No Christian Soto in tow, but I am joined by the usual cast of characters. How was your weekend, everybody? Andre, your parents were in town? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. 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 What'd you get? What'd you guys get into? Oh, uh, we had had good food. Good food. Yeah. You get a little of the munchies. Yeah, a little bit. All right. So <laughs> let's get this out of the way. <laughs> this is supposed to be a private conversation. No, there's no such thing anymore. My mom has arthritis, allegedly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> And she decided, like, oh, let's go to the weed store, buy some weed. Okay, I should mention that these two are very traditional Asian parents. Yeah. Okay. So, like, they've, they've been dabbling a little bit here and there. Or my mom's been dabbling a little bit. And my dad basically just wants her to sleep every night. So they went to the store and they bought, I don't know if there's a lot, kind of 2,000 milligrams. Why, why are you referencing me? <laughs> you know about drugs. My God. <laughs> um, are we talking edibles or like... What? In um, one dose, that's it was definitely like, a lot. It was like tinctures and joints. They probably maxed out, it sounds like. Is that like a month's worth? Depending on how you use it. Not for Conrad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's like, like a, a week. week. Yeah. Conrad, how much do you go through a week? Um, <laughs> I don't even know, honestly. So there, the, the, the humor to this story is there's some sort of like bargain that you can get for spinning a wheel. I'm not sure. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't know. But you were referencing like some sort of like wheel that they get to spin for a giveaway. Yeah. This is the brutal part too that I didn't mention to you guys as much. But if you spend more than $80... <laughs> You get to spin a wheel. Mm -hmm. So what do my parents do? They spent, they spent 80 bucks. They spent $81. They broke up the purchases. <laughs> just to spin the wheel more. Right, right, of course. That. <laughs> That's just good business. Yeah. You spend 80. I'll spend 80. We'll get to spin the wheel twice. Double the so perks. What were their wheel spin gifts? Uh, some of them were like, some of them were like just points, loyalty points. They got free joints. <laughs> I think that's mostly it, actually. But um, she also said, like, oh, if anybody has it. So I stayed in the car and let them go. I was like, I don't want to go through that process, yada, yada, yada. And then she texts me. She's like, uh, Nevada licenses get 20% off. You have to come inside. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously I came inside. It's been, it's been wild between, you know, I've told you guys, like, not so subtle racism throughout the days. Uh, just like randomly, you know, I have my, my like all of my 
my kitchen equipment on on the island and stuff it'll just be gone i don't know where there where it is and my mom's just put it in random places i'll wake up and she's like in my bathroom and i have no clue why she has her own bathroom like good morning andre (laughs) what are you doing (laughs) Um, that's that's how i felt when i saw her coming out with a cloud of smoke behind her from the tent (laughs) On her no. fucking back porch no. with Conrad in tow. <laughs> no, she doesn't like She's Conrad. Like, Hi, Mrs. Hangshua. What's what's going on? She's like, wake and bake. You know, it's the usual Conrad visit. No, she wouldn't hang out with people like Conrad. <laughs> <laughs> me what do you mean, you no, people? Me and your mom would be best friends, honestly. I, I'm I'm pretty honestly. Make you, right? I think she would love you. I, I really do think so. Does she make you good, You might change her entire worldview, single-handedly ending racism. <laughs> He's one of the in good his family. ones. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's Allegedly. that's uh, Allegedly. growing growing up in a super whitewashed community back home. Like that's the way the old people would speak. They're like, oh, he's one of the good ones. It's like, what? <laughs> what does that mean? That justifies my prejudice against all the other ones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I'll never forget this. This is a crazy story. Uh, I was staying with my grandmother on my dad's side, who I'm not like, I almost said my dad's mom, like, that's how not close to her I was. And I was like four or five years old, and I was there. Uh, I, it was something in the summer, like, she was watching me. And I'll never forget th- this was like so jarring to me now looking back on it. But uh, she was like at the screen door on her porch, and she goes, Something to the effect of uh, like those 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 colored people over there, so, something like to that effect, right? And I'm four, so to me, colors are like you know the 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 like right. a rainbow. Colors are the rainbow, right? Yeah. I'm freaking out. I'm sprinting to the door, like expecting to see some like rainbow people. Yeah, like some rainbow colored human that I'm unaware of in my short time on earth. I'm just like, where? Where? And she's like, over there. I'm like, they're brown. (laughs) There's only one color. What are we even doing here? I don't understand. What's that? Those aren't multicolor. No, and I, you know, it, it should. Obviously, go without saying, we were in a trailer park, so <laughs> it's no shock that this was her worldview. <laughs> um, moving on from uncomfortable undertones, uh, <laughs> before we get into really more uncomfortable undertones, uh, we did do another Poker Out Loud Hand of the Week. This week, it was Christian Soto versus Nate Sierski, where Christian had opened the button and Nate had defended the big blind. We landed on a river spot. You can see Chin saying that uh, he has two sizes here, overbet and two-thirds. Um, and, you know, something I guess worth mentioning is uh, whatever quote we're taking, it's not necessarily going to be accurate. Uh, you know, Christian didn't run this spot prior to, to speaking his thoughts out loud. So there is uh, some discrepancy to be used. Uh, these are two weird sizings, in my opinion, to have. But... Uh, nevertheless, uh, he is choosing overbet with his hand. So we ask you guys what hand he has. There are actually a lot of logical guesses. Um, for the most part, you're going to be guessing hands that make two pair on the end. So things like king seven suited uh, make a lot of sense. But that was not the hand that Christian had. We're going to roll the clip and you're going to get to see what the man was betting with.
Um, I don't know why we had an audio issue. This is obviously my doing since I clipped it out. Uh, anyway, basically, Christian is just speaking what was written in the quote, uh, saying that he lands here with top of range or near top of range is going to have uh, you know a catch-all size of like two-thirds and then an overbet. He thinks this hand fits strong enough into the overbet category and he goes for it. If you want to see the conclusion of that hand, head over to uh, solveforwide.io, sign up for the all-in access pass, and you'll get to see seven full seasons of Poker Out Loud, including today's newest episode, which came out including this hand. Uh, we do have a winner who guessed ace-king correctly. John Manuel, congratulations. I've DM'd you on Instagram. Uh, just go ahead and... That's right. Let's, let's give it up. Yeah, let's John. Let's give it up, John. John. Good job, man. Wait, Sporadic John uh, Manuel. approval. Yeah. It's his name, John Manuel. It's, it's my friend. Is it? Yeah, is it really? I know I'm Jersey. Oh, shit. <laughs> rigged. This whole thing is rigged. Was rigged. Obviously not. I chose him and I didn't know. <laughs> Uh, there was, I think, uh, there was like 10 or 12 people, give or take, that uh, gave it correctly. I mean, I didn't even choose him. He, he randomly got plucked out of uh, a random number generator. But a lucky plucker. In any event, you get $30 off uh, the Solve for Why merch store. So go ahead and follow the instructions DM to you, and we'll take care of you. Uh, speaking of house cleaning while we're getting it out of the way, we do have a Poker Out Loud Academy coming up. The dates are April 27th to May 30th. I think we have one seat left for this first group April of nine. April 27th to April 30th. That would oh, be yeah. a hell of a... Academy. That would be a long-ass oh academy. This, you were there when I was making these <laughs> ads, and I could not get the dates right for some reason. Like, I was putting... May 3rd. It was, she made like four different versions and it was May 3rd every time. And after the first version, I was like, yeah, it's April 30th, not May 3rd. She's like, okay, okay, cool. And what then I just changed it to May 30th again. instead. Yeah. I don't know why my brain just was not accepting the dates that you chose. You know what? It probably has something to do with the moon aligning with the I stars. Think it was right before the full moon. Right. So. Our chakras were just a little disappointed. Maybe you were just want us to run to a month-long month academy, <laughs> month uh, go ahead academy. and uh, tell us in the comments below. <laughs> that would sound and like And we will torture. try to make that happen. Yeah, think, we, he would be saying will, it, and I would be writing it as he's saying it, and I still write it wrong. <laughs> it sounds like torture for everybody involved. If so, Melissa, long. we're going to need a new graphic. Uh, those dates are going to be April 27th <laughs> to so. April 30th. Four days. Uh, Four-day long academy. I'm in a long academy. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a four-day long academy, a little bit different structure than what you've seen before from us. So day one will be all theory. We're going to cover basic game theory principles. We're going to get into uh, effectively global strategies. So what CBET strategies look like uh, at a zoomed-out level, board textures, range construction, preflop, et cetera, et cetera. Day two, you'll be playing all poker out loud. Uh, for eight full hours with a commentator in the booth, noting hands uh, worthy of discussion. Day three, we'll cover a couple of those hands in the early portions of the day, and then we'll go over uh, a more granular look at sea betting strategies, turn and river distributions, as well as the strategies to follow. Uh, and then day four will be a final day of Poker Out Loud. So there's a lot to take in over the four-day course. Again, we have one seat remaining for that first group of nine. Should that seat fill, we will open a second group of nine, and uh, the plan will be to just stagger the days. So when group one is uh, playing, group two will be learning, and vice versa. Uh, head over to Solve for Why. Nope, sorry. Head over to academy.solveforwhy.io 
if you'd like to sign up for uh, the April Poker Out Loud Academy. All right. Now that the heavy lifting's out of the way, let's have a talk. Let's, let's have a little chat. This past weekend, we saw a little drama. Not a lot of drama. We were glued. We were tuned in. I haven't watched poker in a while. Did you watch on Friday? I watched on Friday. <laughs> Same. I hate to admit it, but it, it does, does suck you in when it has that reality TV element. I can't tell you the last time I watched a poker stream that one of my close friends wasn't playing on. I watched for a solid two hours. Uh, I don't remember where I was, but I had it up on my phone. I was out somewhere, and I had it up on my phone watching. So the craziest thing is I, I, I somehow started to tune in right around when the game got bigger and things started to unfold. But I watched for the full 90 minutes after Bunny had left. I don't know what I expected to see. <laughs> it, it, was like, it was like listening to uh, a post-game show after your team just lost, right? It's just like all copium where I'm just like waiting for someone to provide some sort of insight that I don't already have. And, uh, you know, really get to the bottom of, like, what the hell is going on here? Uh, so to kind of catch everybody up, what's been going on, uh, Hustler Live has been doing high-stakes poker. Uh, are they doing Thursdays and Fridays or just Fridays? I think it's Fridays, but maybe Thursdays, too. Yeah, I, kn I know that they're the following stakes. a similar structure to what Ryan was producing when he was at Live at the Bike, uh, where they have, like, the 5-5 five -five big anti-game. Um, they have a 10-20 game, I think, midweek. Uh, but I think that they try to run at least one high stakes show a week every Friday for sure. And then maybe a secondary one, um, you know, depending on maybe Garrett's availability or whatever lineups they can put together. But in any event, um, Hustler Live has been running for a little under a year now, I think about nine months or so. And they've really come onto the scene. Uh, they made a huge splash with the 200, 400 game, including Ivy, Durr, uh, Garrett, Mickey, Lucky, myself, uh, and Gal. That was probably, I, I mean, I should have checked this, I guess, prior, but I would assume that that has to be top three most watched uh, free streams that has been ran. Um, I, I could be underselling it, or I, or I could be overselling it, though, because I think when they first did the million-dollar buy-in at, uh, or not million-dollar buy-in, but uh, million-dollar cash game at, Live the bike, that one probably got a lot of eyeballs as well. But, you know, in general, like, we don't have a lot of free, free streams, right? Most everything that is high stakes with big names wall. is going to be behind the Poker Girl paywall. So this is as close to, uh, to high stakes poker, if you will, that we can get for free on the internet. This and I, I would assume the Triton streams. Um, in any event, uh, they've, they've, created this niche space, or at least they've inserted themselves in this niche space, where in LA, it's just them and Live at the Bike, and now Live at the Bike is moving off of YouTube onto uh, broadcast television. Um, and then elsewhere, I guess they're indirectly competing against like the Texas live streams. But Texas is new. Texas is very uh, underwhelming by comparison, I would say. They don't really have the characters yet. Basically, they don't have Garrett. They don't have Garrett. They don't have Andy. They don't have... Gall. Well, nobody has Gall now, RIP. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, they, they, they haven't really um, gotten to a, an established point now where we have a reason to watch every Friday. Everybody knows what they're getting with Garrett on Fridays and 
our eyeballs are glued for it. Uh, so I understand the show that they're trying to produce and I understand the market that they're in. Uh, and you know, we've spoken about this before. It's, it, we, we have a promotion problem in this game. And I think these live streams do a great job of, uh, sort of correcting that. Right. And the path in which they do this is consistency five days a week, every single week you can count on it. Uh, it is getting the same cast of characters, uh, and it's developing narratives around those characters, right? Um, you know, Christian told that story about Armenian Mike, where he says, my life is bluff. <laughs> now they're turning that into merch. <laughs> like I saw somebody wearing like a bluff hat, mm -hmm. which apparently this is just a thing now. So, like, you know, they do a great job of leaning into this. And that brings us to the, the character of discussion in the most recent times, which is the poker bunny. Um, she has a pretty interesting story, I guess, uh, if you will. Well, she, she has a fascinating story, but more so the surface element that everybody's a little bit more familiar with. Uh, I think she first broke onto the scene a year and a half ago, maybe right before the pandemic, so like two years ago. Uh, initially, she was post-flop Malone on like all socials. And that was the, the moniker she was using and kind of the character she was creating. Um, she was very divisive then. Uh, a lot of instances of her both publicly and privately uh, kind of coming at people. Uh, I know that she has like recently or, or since then deleted that former account and started a new one. But like, you know, there were just a lot of accounts of her kind of accosting people like Marley. Uh, I remember there was a big... Instagram storm where she went after pads. Uh, there was another time where, um, you know, at the Bellagio, she kind of uh, got in the face of a few other female players, including like Chrissy of, B. Um, a lot of antagonistic behavior towards women. Yes. Yeah. In general, it's mostly been women. There, there have been like some attacks uh, towards men as well, but it, it was always, it always seemed to be pretty... I don't want to say calculated necessarily because I don't want to. I don't want to assume things I don't know, but it was always directed at people who had a platform, right? So uh, it was certain to get amplified. Um, during all this time, she was also uh, very public about how hard she studied and how much work she was putting into PO. She was streaming on Twitch uh, a lot of her study sessions as well as play, and uh, Nothing was really churning, right? Like, I think the only reason why she was spoken about at that point in time was just, uh, she was just a very disruptive character. Somewhere along the lines, uh, she pulled uh, a heel turn, if you will, uh, and basically just rebranded herself, right? So she changed her last name to Lollinger in honor of Linus. Is that a legal name change? I yeah. think so. I think yeah. it's legal, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm like pretty confident That's, that she I wonder how Linus that. feels about that. <laughs> it's, it's strong. It's strong. Uh, it's, it's an homage to, to the great one. Sort of like a marriage without his consent. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, she's 23, you know? It's like she, she is going to get after it and like... You know, we, I, I do talk about this a lot. When you're young, you have the freedom to make a lot of mistakes. Usually I'm talking about risking I think we talk about 23-year-olds just in general, including Landon. I think we talk about 23-year-olds as if they're like babies, but that's not that young. No. You know? Well, look, you're still responsible for your actions and you have to be, uh, or you don't have to be anything, but like, you know, you're expected to adhere to some level of, of a value system. 
But I guess what I'm trying to say is more so that we're forgiving of mistakes made in youth. And the world as a whole is pretty forgiving of these mistakes. So oftentimes I'm saying like, when you're young, take risks because you're young enough to just bounce and you have a support system around you most of the time that will ensure that like you don't go homeless. Um, but I think like the things we don't talk about are the risks that you can take with, <clears throat> you know, your, your personal brand or, uh, your reputation or your clout or the, the respect of your peers or whatever the case may be. Um, I think that there's this idea that you have to mold yourself in a very adult-like fashion, uh, as you start to come into industry because people will remember that first impression forever. But I think with social platforms and everything being what they are now and seemingly the world losing its mind in front of our face, we're pretty forgiving of... Maybe desensitized is the better... Yeah, that could be true. Yeah. Uh, Kim Kardashian's never been a bigger figure. Kanye's never been spoken about more. These people are literally cracking in front of us. Um, So yeah, I don't think we have the same standards any longer of holding those with the most sane moral value driven or our brand in the highest regard right like yeah we want the drama yeah we want a freak show yeah we're here for the tea yeah uh and yeah i mean honestly that's not necessarily a bad thing right like it's good to give vulnerability a platform it's good to give authenticity a platform uh it becomes a little scary when people start to manipulate those yeah, I mean, because it's hard to know what is truly authentic and what is kind of uh, contrived. Like for, a shtick. For, yeah, because yeah. Uh, because today in today's day and age, controversy um, draws attention, so people can sort of make that happen. Yeah, yeah, and that kind of brings me back to Bunny. Um, I know her uh, a little bit, just. From before she even moved to the States, she had reached out uh, just inquiring about Salt for Y or whatever. Uh, and we just kind of like talked shop a little bit over the, the past few years. Um, but I also know what's been publicized about her. And I think that that's where it becomes a little unclear how much of this is calculated and how much of this is like her actual persona. Like things like getting photographed with a laptop uh, and PO up during a live game. Uh, things like almost getting thrown out of the building with five tables left in the ladies' event because of uh, an emotional outcry over not getting enough media coverage. Um, you know, again, the the referencing to a lot of the divisive behavior with other women in the game uh, or other people with platforms. Um, and then on top of that, like if you follow her social media, she does seem to curate this narrative that she's a bit spastic and that she's a terrible poker player. Like she constantly reiterates that she's terrible, but Does it seems she? to almost be tongue in cheek because it's right in line with also nobody works harder than me. Nobody's running more Sims than me. Uh, there aren't even men in this industry that are, are putting in the same time and effort. So let uh, alone women, right? No one has as much, no woman has as much passion as her for the game. Apparently. And, and for what it's worth, like, Used I think this is partly why, we speak about 23-year-olds as though they're infantile because th- there's just like such a lack of uh, big picture view, right? Like you just don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you haven't experienced. And 
honestly, like, uh, not even just speaking about bunny, but just like youth in general, when you're that age and you're relatively good at something and you've put in any level of effort into it, it's very easy to believe that nobody else is doing what you're doing and that you are so far above the, the, the realm of average, like so close to elite that people are going to find out real soon just how good and talented you are. And then 10 years later, the world really corrects that and humbles you, right? Like you yeah. just really start to understand as you grow and mature and come into your 30s and just experience a lot more where it's not a meritocracy and the work in doesn't equal results. And there are people who are infinitely better than you and infinitely worse than you that are putting up better and worse results. And it's just not a one-to-one -one comparison really in any regard. And I don't care if we're talking about poker, academia, athletics or anything in between someone will always be better than you and there will always be a pool of people that you're better than that constantly prop you up right mm -hmm. so the sooner that that lesson is kind of distilled down inside of you where uh you're just you and you fall into some some area in this spectrum right and like you know you just want to feel good about where you fit like i've worked hard to be in this place and that's the best version of me. That's a pretty mature outlook and it's healthy and it allows for longevity. I don't think there are a lot of 20 somethings that are, I've been in these discords, Melissa. Yeah, I know. I just, I've met plenty of early 20s people who have humility. I just think that maybe we see louder voices that are a little more egocentric and well, that's part of fine, being, but. Part of being humble is, probably not being one of the most outspoken people yeah. about your talent. Yeah. So we don't hear from them, but I just think that 23 is not that young. Like I feel like maybe in relative to like where you guys are, but in my opinion there are 18-year-olds who act extremely mature. It I don't think it's, it's a I think it's possible to to be mature for your age, but uh like let's look at other industries, right? So um, crypto is a really good example. There's a lot of youth in that industry. Uh, there's a lot of, it's a meme culture, right? The, the majority of the crypto industry is like largely a meme culture. Mm -hmm. And that's because there's so much youth that is uh, a part of the talented pool. And I think that that's pretty reflective also of- It also has like largely like 4chan and Reddit and forum roots. So that probably- right helps too yeah and i i think that that's pretty reflective of not facing any um any like bigger picture pressure to grow up right because they have this specialized skill set within a, a a particular space uh how they act around that skill set isn't really all that important where it's like if you compare that instead to like tech it's pretty critical that you're able to uh, carry on a conversation with somebody who's 20 years your senior that has a million times your worth because he's your new VC. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know it's sort I mean? of like professional conduct sort of goes out the window when you don't have higher ups that you're always interacting with. Correct. And I think that that's poker is much closer to crypto than it is to tech in that regard. So I think that that's why maybe I have this specific view is because there's no rush to grow up in this space mm -hmm. where it's like if you're trying to uh, develop an app and you have to pitch to Mark Cuban. You have to be professional. Right. Yeah. Even if it's not you, like 
that's the fake it till you make it part yeah. in that industry where here it's like what will garner the most amount of clicks right and sometimes it's wearing bunny ears and uh you know kind of hopping up and down like mm. you know the easter bunny i guess but, yeah yeah or just uh, the bunny in general it doesn't have to be the easter. i mean who knows what'll happen on easter maybe it's <laughs> do we get two sets of bunny ears or what jesus rises from the dead and... yeah maybe we have jesus someone dresses up as jesus <laughs> let's not give any ideas <laughs> it's a good idea though um maybe you could do it <laughs> maybe he'd make a good jesus yeah he's got the hair yeah exactly thanks brian the, the nordic jesus the, the nordic, nordic jesus <laughs> why not I'm, I'm gonna stay as far away as possible sure <laughs> Um, so the last thing I want to I want to address before we kind of move into the events that occurred on Friday uh, is this idea that um, you know perhaps the poker bunny as we know her is a bit of a uh, a contrived character that she's utilizing to kind of further her her brand and career. I mean, like if we zoom out, like you know she hasn't been in poker for all that long and she secured backing and has a permanent seat in some of the biggest high stakes games televised. So. It's not like it's not working, right? And it's also not like we can't put to an, uh, point to another iteration that did fail. The post-flop Malone character that she had developed was a clear uh, heel, right? Like the, the community just shunned that. Mm-hmm. Where it was like, no, we don't like this, this uh, divisive. I don't really remember that too much, uh, that character. Yeah, well, and that, that's fair, right? Because yeah. it was a whole lot re- less relevant. Like. Uh, if you see the tweet that, that Bunny put out today um, replying to D Moon Girl, um, we can kind of see a little bit of, of what I'm talking about between the two different characters. So she's basically saying like, don't, uh, D Moon said like, uh, at that age, you're just not ready for the spotlight, just leave her alone kind of thing. And she's saying like, no, I'm not only ready for this, like I've like attempted to build something to garner the spotlight uh, and a lot of this isn't even necessarily EV driven as far as I can tell. Uh, the thing that stands out to me is her saying like, prior to developing this character that she's currently portraying, um, the world was often cruel to her without the balance of support. Mm-hmm. And though she, has her, uh, the, though she has her criticisms now and the, the angry mob may still exist, Mm-hmm. There's also a big group of people that like show a lot of love for right. Poker Bunny. Yeah. And I think we see that in the comments. I think we see that in the viewership. Around the age range of 50 to 60 male. Perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. I mean, it, it's a market. It, it is indeed a market. Um, and honestly, it's a big market in poker. Yeah. If we're being clear, like uh, coming from the standpoint of having run a train or of running a training site, like we've done market analytics and the largest pool of liquidity available in, in the poker market as a targeted group is white men between the ages of 38 and 45 with expendable income that lean Republican and voted Trump. Like that's, <laughs> that's the group. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I mean, uh, when you look at either side of that group, right? Like the, the slightly younger, slightly older crowd, uh, it's gonna be the slightly older crowd that had not- But not do we younger. think that maybe she wasn't getting support before because she was antagonizing people? Yeah. You know? I yeah. mean, it, well, I don't think it's necessarily the whole bunny gimmick that is making people support her, but maybe just the lack of 
attacking people yeah i mean i mean there's there's a lot more to this to uncover that uh i don't want to get too deep into but like i think that prior to being post-flop malone or maybe during i don't know but like when she spent her time in australia uh she had a lot of well-documented struggles there um from getting like kicked out of the casino to uh, maybe even permanently banned there's a there's a clip somewhere in the on the internet floating around where uh she was um like screaming at the table on during a during a live stream mm-hmm. uh and if i recall correctly uh it was based off of accusations of her being raped by somebody either employed in the casino or happening on the casino ground, something like that. Uh, so even though that wasn't an antagonistic thing and it was something where uh, I, I think like ultimately she wanted more support, mm-hmm. it came off antagonistic. Yeah. And it led the opposite to, to the opposite response, right? It was just like full-blown hate. Um, and that's kind of scary in, in a regard because it's like uh, if we're assuming that there's truth to that story, a, it deserves to be heard, mm-hmm. but B, um, it's one of those things where it's like you don't necessarily want the the message from the person to get convoluted with the delivery mechanism. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like just because she didn't deliver the message well doesn't discredit the It's also the very hard to be heard with that kind of message in a male-dominated environment. Sure. There's plenty of men who don't even think rape happens, which yeah. is bizarre to me, but, you know, yeah. that's another story. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a whole conversation that we could save for another date, too, because uh, I do think that there's a much deeper, more nuanced conversation to have there in the sense that, uh, you know, it's a terrible thing that happens and goes underreported and certainly is underpunished. Mm-hmm. But along the same lines, it's a he said, she said thing too, where it's like now men are often uh, kind of put in a... First of all, like that that's maybe a little exaggerated because... Well, it's uh, a chicken and egg thing. They wouldn't... There wouldn't... Like the, the, the majority of men wouldn't be... You know, innocent men wouldn't be suffering with potential allegations correct. if there weren't the number there wasn't of a blurry line yeah yeah actually do and it. also like uh you have to create a blurry line to be accused and believe like yeah. to to be believed that you're being accused so yeah i mean i think the me too movement kind of shined a light on all of that and there's a whole discussion there that i don't want to get into but um that kind of brings us to current day and uh this idea of our live streams reality tv right so is this a show that is meant to showcase poker in its native state uh, with the option to showcase talent or the option to showcase characters or the option to showcase uh, some combination of all, right? Like, so I know Poker Go specifically, their mission is to kind of get the most talented players in the world and give them an give us the audience a nice healthy mix of their skill set mixed with fun characters who make the game enjoyable to watch right and that seems to work pretty well for them but they also have a lot of things in their favor they have a eight-figure studio that they're filming out of they have access to literally everyone and they have a budget that is through the roof right like if they're spending 40k just to turn the lights on that might be comparable to maybe the entire weekly budget for uh, a show like Hustler Live. So 
With that said, then, can other shows insert themselves and compete without adhering to that template? Obviously, I think the answer is yes, um, but we kind of toe a weird line of, well, is it, are, are, are we here for the poker or are we here for the sideshow, right? And Garrett kind of made that point um, after the fact and also in, uh, in the only tweet that he put out replying to Bunny where it was kind of something to the regard of, uh, look, I've always played and watched poker for the poker. Mm-hmm. And that's the first and foremost reason why I think I'm here and why people are tuning in. So I don't care about the antics. I don't care about, uh, you can dress however you want. You can talk however you want. You can do whatever you want. So long as it doesn't compromise the integrity of the game. And so long as it doesn't become so disruptive that the game itself doesn't operate any longer. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's a really fair and valid criticism. So the question then becomes like, well, how or what's Hustler's role in policing this, if anything? Yeah, I mean, ugh. well, first of all, I'm kind of at first was very sort of like taking this stance of like, this is gross and I don't like this to now I'm viewing it a little bit more towards a reality TV lens, in which case, like, I understand the role she's playing in it as sort of the loose cannon of the reality show. Um, I think that in terms of just the game, though, I would prefer if women were held to the same standard of conduct as men in that, you know, we're allowed to criticize behavior. It's not misogynistic to criticize someone's behavior because they are slowing the game down consistently or drawing excessive attention to themselves during while other people are in hands or, you know, they have a clearly they have a camera that's dedicated to following her around the room when she stands up, including back angles and chest angles. And it's just sort of, in my opinion, it's demeaning to everybody involved, like not only women, but also the men watching. They think these men are just drooling imbeciles that just want to see whatever. Um, And then the production themselves are presenting themselves and I don't think that they genuinely are this way, but the way that they are running this makes them look very creepy. Yeah. So I just don't think it's a great look for anybody, but I, I understand it from a reality TV lens and, you know, in general, I, I don't think reality TV producers are, are very well respected anyway. So sure. Well, I don't think respect is the ultimate goal. Uh, I think views and monetizing the stream is is first and foremost, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, but just to expand upon a little bit of what you said, uh, you're kind of uh, referencing a bit of after she left, uh, Ben thought his mic was off and said something to the effect of like, uh, she's clearly not in a headspace to play this game or she's basically something along the lines of like, this game is too much for her, Right. And uh, Margoon, the commentator, uh, basically went on a bit of a rant saying how misogynistic that yeah. was. And what you're kind of saying is, Not. if this were a man who's like, clearly if having... If showed up what's that? in a banana hammock 
and moose antlers. <laughs> you can get the graphic in a you second. Know, and, yeah. was, and was doing this. And it's like, okay, you know, you slow down a game every now and then. You make a mistake every now and then. Fine. But this is a consistent thing, clearly. And if Landon had done that, like, once, everyone would be freely criticizing him. I mean, I think it's fine to, like, do what you want to do and do what you have to do to get clicks. But we can't be, like mad that people have criticisms about it and calling them misogynist yeah I, I didn't really understand the misogynistic angle in the sense of like is he at no point did ben imply that because she's a girl she can't play high stakes poker right he's implying she's having an unhinged moment on on air yeah and that disqualifies her from uh yeah. being fit to play he never said anything about gender at all right and i i feel like uh that would be very obvious if it were a guy kind of like you know, effectively, like, I mean, we're going to, we're going to cut to the clip here in, in a minute, but like effectively misclicking her way through a, a handful of spots to the point where she was flustered and had to get up. If a guy did that, it would be, I mean, maybe we would qualify it as tilt, right? Maybe we would say he's steaming. Maybe we would, I, I don't know, maybe nicer term terminology is utilized. I think that that's probably pretty fair to say that more benefit of the doubt is given to men, particularly. If, if anything, it would be, I think, an age thing. Like if a young dude yeah. was on there flustered and misclicking all the time, I think he would get the same type of criticism. Yeah, I, I, I kind of tend to agree. Um, and I think we'll talk about that a little bit after, uh, after we see these clips. Uh, so I just want to kind of recap what, what actually happened on Friday and uh, we'll go through a couple clips. So first and foremost, um, we're we're hitting about hour four of the stream at this point, and you're usually about five, five and a half hours long. Uh, and in typical Garrett fashion, he he finds a way to up the stakes. So he's mashing this game. Uh, I believe he's like the only winner at this point, or maybe Bunny's up small. But uh, the game was 100, 200, 200 big blind ante. And uh, I don't know if they're just doing a round of strategies or if they put the 400 on permanently. I think they did. I think it was one, two, four. Yeah, I mean, look... I nobody's better at this than Garrett and I respect the hell out of it because you know I'm all for <laughs> increasing the gamble upping the stakes anytime that everybody is is willing to do so and I, that's partly why I enjoy playing with Garrett it's like I know that at some point the game's probably going to double in size but I come prepared for that like I have enough experience in that world and I, I expect it and I learned the hard way right like the first time I did live at the bike I didn't expect that I was supposed to play like four sessions of 2550 that ended up being like 2550, 100, 200 almost consistently. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, holy shit, I lost $100,000 in this quote unquote quarter 50 game that's actually like one, two, and you know, five buy ins is pretty reasonable. Mm. Um, so, you know, uh, to, basically the game did get bigger, right? And there's a lot to account for there because I did think that it sort of led to this series of events. So the first clip we're going to look at uh, is we're playing five-handed, I believe. And the game is one, two, four now with a 200 ante. Uh, and we're going to see Poker Bunny, Poker Bunny first act with Pocket Kings. Uh, so I sped this up. It's a very long hand. But effectively, she limps with a $500 chip. Now, I suppose that there's a world where she could claim that she thought that they were still playing one, two. But if you look prior... Uh, to her limping, she looks directly at the 400 and chooses to throw out uh, one big chip. So I don't know if this is intentional or not, but here we are. Uh, she does limp. We see uh, she faces a raise off of like an effective 25 big blind stack where he 8Xs it. And Tiger then cold calls. 
She three bets, of course, with pocket kings. Uh, only tiger calls. We see a queen nine seven to diamond board. She bets insanely small, 20% pot. He check raises, again, very small. And now they have 0.5 SPR behind. Um, I don't think the strategy of the hand is all that important. It doesn't really matter if she calls or jams. It's kind of whatever. She has the king of diamonds. You can't misplay this spot. Just don't fold. Turns the seven of clubs. Awesome card for her hand. Uh, she's probably way ahead, way behind situation. He checks. She checks back. Whatever. Induce some river bluffs. Seems fine. River ace of spade. He all but puts her all in, betting like 15,000. And she doesn't take very much time before just mucking it. Uh, and that like, I would assume has to be in the forefront of her mind. Uh, some conversation ensued thereafter where she asked Tiger, was I at least good on the turn? Uh, implying that like maybe he rivered the ace. Um, which to me means that she was very certain in how she, how she, uh, was classifying his handholding right in her head at that point in time. He either had 7x of diamonds, which turned her dead, or nearly dead. He had flopped a set, or uh, he had ace x of diamonds. Didn't think Tiger was capable of the gut shot check raise. Right, right. <laughs> she didn't give him the king jack of, of hearts, obviously. Um, so she was like just very positive that he was bounded, didn't have bluffs in range, and she could confidently fold the absolute top of range, which in theory would in no way, shape, or form ever find a way to not put the remaining... 15k in the middle right okay that happens whatever no big deal uh watching it in real time i'm just like oh that's a blunder but obviously i could see the hands too so uh, i've made hero folds no real criticism here but i know how it feels right you get a little flush in the face your ears are a little red i definitely uh, have moments like that live i feel like you know the fl I, I totally understand the flustered thing yeah would i put myself in those games consistently no <laughs> because sure. i mean i would probably be way more flustered but you yeah. made a hero fold also. One a. in your lifetime? Queen 10. He <laughs> <laughs> did it one time. I folded full house, man. He did that's a fucking hero fold. Wow, that is a hero fold. Right? It, was not he finally a makes it, yeah, it wasn't he finally good. makes <laughs> the hero fold, and it's wrong. <laughs> I was punished. Yeah, yep. I was Never mad. made a hero fold again. Probably nope. never will. Never, never happening again. Um, okay, so literally moments later, so she reloads after that hand. Uh, which we'll, we'll show a clip of this a little bit later. It's a, kind of a different conversation, but she kind of struggles a little bit with the reload, uh, having a tough time coming up with the number, finally gets the reload in. And uh, now she picks up ace jack of diamonds in the big blind. So uh, we're going to check out that clip now. Ten seconds. I'm in for four. Big blind. David Park, please. Hmm. Okay, so I actually hear David opens. The graphics are wrong. David opens here oh, to 1200. So it says David limps. He does not limp. He raises to 1200. And we're going to see, it looks like a three bet from Poker Bunny here. She goes 5K. So David opens to 1,200. Graphics are incorrect once again. And she goes 5,000. 
And David short stacked, just moves in. Borgerman, I mean, she's priced in. She put in, she put in 5K here. She put in half his stack. She can't fold. She's priced in with any two cards. She's, she can't. You can't fold when you put in half. Okay, and she just folds. Wait, how much? I don't think I've ever run this. Every week I see it. And now she realizes. Wait, I. Well, it's too late. Give her a take back. She didn't realize how much. Garrett. Rare you hear Garrett with the needle. Oh, she is. She is flustered. She is quite flustered. Okay, I want to talk about this sequence of events and uh, first and foremost, the role that Garrett plays as well as, um, you know, a little bit of what I think is unfair scrutiny uh, that was kind of thrown his way. Uh, so first and foremost, the sequence of events where she ends up making a hero fold with kings that's incorrect uh, and then follows it up with making a huge mathematical blunder where, uh, you know, again, this guy opens off of 25 blinds to 3x. She three bets... Uh, appropriately with ace-jack suited, and he shoves for a min-raise. Um, she doesn't recognize his stack size, doesn't even ask for a count, just finds the snap fold. Um, then after the fact, kind of realizes that it wasn't for very much more, and sh she should have been calling, and kind of says, like, you know, how much was it, whatever, is visibly, visibly fl frustrated, uh, or flustered, I should say. And Garrett kind of hits her with a little bit of a needle, right? So he, he speaks to the, I think it was David that she was in the hand against and goes, give her her hand back. Uh, she didn't realize it wasn't much more to call. And he goes, no. And, she, he goes, and Garrett replies like, okay, next time, right? It's a very subtle needle uh, in a clear moment of weakness for Paulina. Um, and there was a lot of criticisms and cries of, I don't want to say misogyny, but like kind of, uh, I don't know, making it seem like Garrett was making her feel less than in that moment. Uh, and though that may be true, uh, again, I would make a pretty strong argument that this has very little to do with gender. So let's zoom out for a second and, and kind of like get the lay of the land, right? So first and foremost, Garrett makes the game bigger because... He wants to play bigger and, uh, you know, everybody seems relatively willing to do so. So nobody really box at it. Uh, he has a pretty great spot where blank check Ben is sitting deep at over a hundred thousand. Of course you want to play bigger blinds at that point. David only has like uh 10 K in front of him. So it doesn't matter if you're playing one, two or two, four, he has no chips in front of him. Right. Uh, and everybody else is like, uh, pretty, pretty well stacked with the exception of Paulina, but you know, Paulina's mostly studied at 100 big blinds, so the thoughts are that she'll reload to 40K if they play 1-2-4. Um, but I think that's worth noting because I think that that plays a little bit into this series of events. The game got bigger. She wasn't necessarily prepared for it. She doesn't have the chips in front of her to play 100 big blind poker. She only has 50 bigs in front of her. And now another guy has an effective stack of 25 bigs. And we kind of see this meltdown happen sequentially where... Uh, she's playing 25 big blind poker effectively and doesn't realize that she's priced into a call, makes a big error. 
shortly thereafter, or I guess like, you know, immediately thereafter, or at least after the needle, um, she gets visibly flustered, right? Now, I want to talk a little bit about the needle. So Garrett is a consummate professional. He's been playing high stakes for as long as anybody can remember, and he's really earned his stripes to get to this point. I think, especially in today's game, where there's such a divergence amongst the young up-and-comers who are hungry for this spotlight, who are hungry to overtake the high-stakes scene, who have all the tools and resources available to them that the old guard didn't, that fast-tracks this path, that allows them to get there by 23, where it took a lot of us, you know, the better part of a decade to arrive. Uh, and also I'm coming from an athletic standpoint too, where like there's a clear hierarchy on a team, right? There's a clear hierarchy in sports where if you're the freshman, if you're the new guy, if you're the rookie, you're going to have to really earn your stripes. It's not that you have to prove yourself as a talent. You have to live up to your talent, of course, but you have to prove yourself as a teammate. You have to prove yourself as a peer. You have to prove yourself as belonging in the arena. And with that, comes a lot of character-defining moments where you're tested. And I think that that's just what we're seeing here with the needle. And uh, not only do I not think it's out of line, I think it's like a mandatory rite of passage, so to speak, in a situation like this where they're competing against one another. They are not brother and sister. They're not best friends. They're not... He's not her mentor. This like, is correct. a one-two like. One, two game down. Even if it were. At a local poker game. Even if it were, it's not his job to show empathy in this moment. Now, don't get me wrong. I would be praising him just as much, if not more so, if he did show empathy in this spot in general. I mean, he could like squat and fart on the table and everyone would be praising him. (laughs) He's just beloved. (laughs) Sure, I wouldn't go that far. But uh, I guess like the point I'm trying to make is. I don't know, Garrett. Try it. See see how the reaction is. (laughs) The, the point I'm trying to make is that if, if his default here was to show uh, a bit of empathy to somebody who is under the bright lights for the first time and is kind of cracking, right? If that were his default mode, if Landon were there and going through the exact same experience and his default were, hey, man, don't worry, it happens, you know? And there are guys like that in the arena. Mm-hmm. Like, I've fucked up plenty. And there are a handful of guys that just like recognize that you're good and you belong and they want to make you feel better about a shit spot, right? JRB is actually a great example of this. He's not one, especially if you're new, to kick you when you're down, but that's why he's a host, mm-hmm. right? Like I'll never forget that this is, uh, it was just embarrassing. It had nothing to do with play. But the very first time I got invited to the big game, I was literally playing 5'10 two months prior. And now all of a sudden I'm playing three six twelve, and I wasn't able to just make that transition smoothly. So I show up with my fucking backpack with chili in a thermos, <laughs> for, like in fucking Ivy's room where you can order John George and like get all this high end food care. I didn't know. I'm just you had some, like a lunchbox. Yeah, yeah, I'm just some poor yes. kid from Pittsburgh who's getting the opportunity of a lifetime, right? And I'm I'm just trying to fit in as best I can. So I bring. We take a break halfway through because that's what high rollers do, I guess, whenever they're guests in town to entertain and they want to go get dinner. And JRB asks if we want to go to uh, John George's on him. It's like, yeah, sure, let's go. As I'm walking or as I'm like picking up my backpack to, to follow the group, somehow 
There was so much pressure on my thermos that the lid blew off. Oh, no. <laughs> no. You had, chili like, Kevin everywhere. from yeah, the Kevin, office. Yeah, yeah. He, had, Kevin, <laughs> he had Kevin's famous chili. Wow. So it sounds like a bomb just went off in Ivy's room, and my book bag is covered in chili. No. <laughs> and they're all just like, what the fuck was that? And all I could do is own it. I'm just like, I didn't know we were going to get dinner. I packed the thermos. Like, you know. Oh. And he was so nice about it. He's like, you know, he kind of like made a joke, not at my expense, but like with the series of events of like, oh, uh, you know, it's sometimes it's tough to shake those, those blue collar roots or something like, mm -hmm. you know, lunch pail roots or whatever. And it was, it was fine. Like he made me feel good and welcomed and fitting in. But again, that's his role, right? That's his job. Garrett's job is to be Win that. Money. Yeah. He's to be that guy, right? Like I would feel like Garrett, like if I were in that spot and Chris K or Landon were, were at the game. And I'm watching them have an unhinged moment. Hey, welcome to the fucking league, Rook. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. you're, this isn't going to be the first and it's not going to be the last. And I don't care if you stay. Right. So let me remind you once again how much effort it takes to get into this arena and sustain. Mm -hmm. And here's your needle to make you feel like, you know, this it is a honestly, memorable it, moment. It is a rite of passage. Like, in ju just being a a female shouldn't like keep somebody from doing that. Exactly. I think we should all be looked at as equally, you know, competitive. And that's why I made the point of if his default is to show empathy in this spot, I'm, I would be praising him for it. But if his default, much like mine would be, Hey, this is a moment you're not going to want to forget. So let me remind you even further with this needle kind mm -hmm. of thing. And like a, a welcome to the bigs type of mentality. That's my default. That's Garrett's default. Clearly. I'm not going to change that because it's a woman because mm -hmm. that's disingenuous. Now that is demeaning to her. It's reductive, right? It's basically saying that the only reason I'm showing you any grace in this moment because I don't think you can handle it or yeah. Or because I think you're attractive or, or all of the other ancillary reasons that come with being a female in a male dominated space. Right? Mm -hmm. So I think to like point out that he kind of kicked her a little where she was down here is so ridiculous to me. And to make it a gender thing is even 10 times worse. It's like, he should be praised for the fact yeah. that he would treat this situation the exact same regardless of gender. Yeah. 100%. I mean, most of the people I'm seeing call it out as misogynistic are men. There are a few women sprinkled in there, but it's mostly, I mean, the commentator is a man. It's, yeah. so I, from my perspective, it's not, and we should be, we should be free to be criticized just as anyone, any male in our position would be too. Yeah. You're a pretty nice guy though. Let's not get, let's get something straight. If something like earth shattering happened to someone, you'd be nice. You'd be nice. Earth shattering, maybe. Things that happen within I mean, the construct of the game. Yeah. Like they shit I mean, their pants. A, no, no. Like if there was like a situation, like call it the chili situation, it's happened to someone else. Like <laughs> you'd be nice. Like, that, yeah. that will induce pathos in anyone though. That's yeah. just like sad. <laughs> no, you're right. Like, I mean, it, it, just, it just depends on what it is. Like it's obviously like a, a scale thing. Like, no, that, you're like very, that's outside the field of Outside of the mechanics right. of the gameplay, mm -hmm. you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. Somebody shit themselves. Right. Sure, sure. Like, <laughs> all, all right, like, you know. all right. Yeah, for sure. Just be like, hey. You can't look. control the chili thing. Right, right. Outside your crew. But like, when you just like fuck up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm going to be there to remind you, you <laughs> fucked up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, this game's not for everybody. So yeah. strap in because you're in for a long ride. The first big game I played, I live misclicked. And the whole, it was so awkward. The whole table was silent after. Right. But I accidentally min through Bad Emma because I thought it was a straddle. And then 
you know, I'm in three bed and then played the hand as if I had raised the straddle. So of course the whole thing was wrong. And, you know, and like, to I me, won't forget that. To me, but... that's, yeah, those are character defining moments for, for the people doing it. But for the, for the entertainment purposes, like those are layup, like joke spots. Yeah. You make light of it. And yeah, it's at the expense of the person who made the error, but that's fine. Right. It's not, it's not a criticism of character. It's not uh, a, a tear down. Like you're such a piece of yeah. shit. You min yeah. raised. Right. <laughs> what do you hate dogs? <laughs> it's like, right. that, that's not what's going on here. Right. It's just like, yeah, we're it all happens. human and we're shining a light on the fact that we have human moments Yeah, and we should be able to make fun of that type of stuff. Uh, so I, I think like, yeah, I, th I just wanted to get that whole narrative out there because I do think that there's a lot of underpinning of because she's a girl, she's treated in certain ways. Uh, and she even alluded to that uh, in her tweets, basically saying like, oh, I'm so glad to think that pe people don't think I'm cut out for the stage because I'm a woman. It's like, that's not at all what anybody's saying. No. Right? Like the general narrative is you're not cut out to the for the stage because we just watched you have a meltdown. Mm -hmm. And it was minor, right? Like, and it's one that I think every or not everyone, but I, I think a lot of people in her situation very well could have had, mm -hmm. right? Like, I don't think this has anything to do with her typical antics or the Poker Bunny character or anything like that. It was literally just a, a sequence of events that went really fucking poorly and a lot of errors, human errors, were, were layered on top and that makes you emotional, Yeah. right? And getting up and leaving was like an actual pretty mature thing to do, I think. Yeah, I mean, it would have. I think it would have devolved more had she stayed. It's probably a good time to take a break anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems pretty impossible not to. Uh, so that's going to carry us into the next part of this conversation that I want to have, and uh, it basically stems from a tweet thread that the producer of Hustler Live, uh, Hustler Casino Live, put out, Patrick Kern. Uh, so he was a part of Ryan's crew at Live the Bike. Uh, I know he did like a lot of the editing. Uh, a lot of the promo videos and stuff like that. His stuff's actually pretty great. Uh, I think he has a bigger role here at Hustler. So he tweeted uh, a relatively lengthy thread. It's a 12-parter. Um, but he's basically saying, like, he's trying to raise the bar of free live streams as they know it. And he wants to appeal to a wider audience, citing things like Logan Paul, No Jumper, Barstools, etc. Uh, and I think first, first thing to point out or to mention is um, how much those influencers let's call them uh actually are already a part of the poker space right like barstool has a poker podcast uh no jumper adam 22 plays the game uh he recently had mickey on and it was wildly successful and popular so we're not really talking about reaching too far outside of the the general collective that's already watching poker uh and he's basically saying like you know he wants to get people who have never really played poker outside of like a $5 sit and go in their kitchen. Basically people who like know the rules, but haven't necessarily really participated or watched live streams or anything along those lines. Um, and then he kind of like just states that Bunny is a huge facilitator of this uh, and cites that um, the weekly games that she plays in have additional views when she's in the lineup as opposed to when she's not. So she is a character that drives people to the screen, right? Finally, um, he mentions that uh, they were able to break through the, the barrier of, uh, 
you know, the 10 to 15K concurrent viewership whenever they did the Durant Ivy stream. So the major point that I really want to focus on here is the idea that the Hustler Casino live stream is more so building a, a reality show than it is building a poker show. And I kind of proposed this question uh, on the onslaught of, of this pod, but I'd like to hear some some other opinions as far as like why you watch, right? So, uh, LeMan, I think you're a good person to start with in the sense that like you've been around since the very first Live at the Bike. And, you know, I remember how big of a deal that was to us in the early 2000s because live stream poker just wasn't a thing. Uh, the Poker Road podcast was like so fascinating to mm -hmm. us. We got to hear the insights of like Gavin Smith and Joe Seabach who are like on the tour and, you know, just giving us the day-to-day -day breakdown of what it's like. We're a long, long way away from that, right? Yeah. Uh, so are we just trying to watch cut and dry poker now? Or like, should we be looking to build this out in a reality poker show sense? Yeah, I, I definitely think they should try to build it out. I mean, it's, you know, if you want that broader audience, like he's talking about, then, then you need to have storylines and 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 character development because if you don't then it's just it's it is you're just gonna have the the people that you know are strictly there for just the poker and nothing else and then it you cap your audience for sure so i guess doubling down on that uh andre you might be a good person to ask about this in your opinion what would be most probable to bring in outside eyeballs stirred up or, or uh, I guess, drummed up drama that can be built into a storyline week in and week out or influencers with an audience that come from an arena outside of poker? I would say the latter. The biggest problem is going to be budget. Right. Someone like Poker Bunny is, like, honestly very cheap compared to, you know, giving the five-star treatment to anybody that's going to come in outside whether it's crypto whether it's you know basketball or whatever and if you can find someone like a poker bunny where you can cultivate that person and make them very attached to your brand image then you know whatever they do it's going to be synonymous with hustler and we we tried to do that with run it up it's it's just very difficult yeah. Doesn't storylines like that just get built out from like people just playing against each other week in and week out though? Like you don't need to do all this extra stuff. Right. So uh, I think that that, I, I think your point's very valid, Conrad. I, I think that the big thing that's being lost in what Patrick's tweeting is that Bunny isn't bringing in new eyeballs. Bunny's retaining eyeballs you already captured, right? Uh, storylines and character development doesn't get a new person to click on your video that has never clicked before. That's not, there's no way to market that, right? What's, what's the thumbnail look like that a random person browsing YouTube would click on and expect to see a meltdown or a fist fight or, or anything, right? There, there just isn't one. I think right? you'd almost need a secondary show. I don't know if it would be possible or if you could have a broader audience where you, where you build you know, you build the narrative you of what's going way on. way too much Bravo. And I, well, know. No, I know. You know what? I was thinking. <laughs> but that's what you need. He wants Andy Cohen to come in. On top, no, but like if you, had, if you had like building characters and, you know, building it up to this, this game they're going to play, 
and then and then you know they watch they they watch they watch the secondary show and they start to know the characters their backstories all that kind of stuff and then you get them in their the arena but it can't function play. right it's yeah. cart in front of the I mean, horse in the sense that yeah it'd be very difficult you to, can't build out a character driven show that has no plot line to it or no narrative right you you can't develop that it Basically, what you're talking about would be like a video podcast of sorts, or like what Bravo does, where they do the 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 reunion shows so or whatever. I think, I think that where I was having some like icky feelings about it, when I reframe it into this is a reality show, I think that it's it's sort of advertised as simply a poker stream, and maybe that's why people are like, "What is this?" When yeah. they have stuff like that happen. But it, let's say if they were to have like a confessional camera in that back area or something. So yeah. when someone mm -hmm. storms off, they can go cut to the confessional or something. But it's just production cost is obviously. Right. No, that's there, that's but, super doable. But sure. like that would sort of solidify the branding as this is a reality show. It's not just a cut and dry poker stream like this is a, it, because when I see it as a reality show, I'm a lot more forgiving of sure. this sort of antics and yeah, stuff. Yeah. I don't want to lose sight of why I think that, uh, why I think that that desiring this type of drama or amplifying it from the standpoint of of Hustler Live isn't accomplishing what I think that they wanted to accomplish. Uh, I, I think it's very critical to de, um, to delineate between acquisition and retention, right? So if we're looking at this from a marketing lens, which is exactly what his tweet is implying he's attempting to do uh, new acquisition does not come from drama or uh, it doesn't come from nuance. Let's put it that way. It doesn't come from nuance. Right. And in order to understand drama, you need to understand backstory. That's why you're suggesting a secondary show or whatever. Again, that's all already going to be for the audience you've curated. Right. Almost. It's never going to bring in new eyes. Right. The only way to generate new eyes through uh, the dramatic lens or whatever is to get people outside of your space covering it. So if ESPN were to say, or TMZ, for instance, were to say, check out this meltdown on Hustler Casino Live, sure, you're going to get some new eyes that way, right? But again, that's secondary. You can't plan for that. And it that, would have to be a famous person, someone already exactly. famous. They can't just like home grow a person right. and that's have right. also a break point TMZ. in the end of this person. Not necessarily. No, no. Look at, look at celebrity these days. Like literally, this yeah. is Kim Kardashian's brand. Right, this is now Kanye's brand. Like they, the they lean into the, to the drama. Publicity kind of thing. Yeah. Like, for better or for worse. <laughs> I mean, like, they'll even have like errors in their Instagram posts. The Photoshop will be like their arm is all warped, and that's not a mistake. Like right, they it's have top farming. Yeah, they have yeah. top level people, but it creates controversy. Yeah. So weird arm. I, I yeah. think it's very important to to stop the narrative of this is good for attracting people to our show. It's not. But we can make a pretty strong argument that it's good for, for viewer retention. Hell, I watched, mm -hmm. right? And I'll tune in and out every now and again. But I also watched and stayed because Garrett was on and winning. And that's the bigger point I'm trying to make is as to why Bunny's not bringing in new eyeballs. If we look at the, the most viewed videos on Hustler Live, they're all huge names in the poker industry. So they're already established names. It's Garrett, obviously, Ivy, Durr, um, Antonio Esfendiari, and then highlights of all those same people. 
The only exception being Mickey. Mickey can bring you new eyeballs. Everybody loves Mickey. Mickey is already famous in another industry. Wait, what's he famous for? Drama. Oh, okay. Drama. <laughs> high stakes gambling. Yeah. High stakes gambling. Because uh, his Adam 22 video did really well. His interview. Correct. Have you ever because seen his, his Instagram? Like, like I he, don't know anything about him. I mean, just, he's basically an it, anomaly. He's like the male version of Bunny in the sense of instead of leaning into uh, sexualizing himself slash uh, playing a role for the cameras, uh-huh. he is uh, creating this like elusive unknown idea that like he got filthy rich through gambling but can't really say how or why Mm -hmm. right so he just posts like stacks of millions of dollars in cash (laughs) literally like suitcases full of cash that he's like willing through the yeah through the casino it's wild the irs is just like yeah it's like great for (laughs) optics right uh and he obviously does gamble at very high stakes that's that's also huge and he does have this like uh, kind of like cultic personality where he's surrounded by women and porn stars and, and all this other stuff. Sort of like a, a grimy Bilzerian. Yeah. I, I mean, mean honestly, like grimy, having but... met and played with the dude, he's a very nice, sincere, cool dude. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's something very magnetic about his personality too. Right. And But again, like... the. Even if we were comparing this one-to-one with Bunny, the difference is that he's already established in his industry. He already has six figures in followers. Yeah. He comes with a platform that gets amplified now by your platform. Yeah. She only retains the people that were already watching because she breaks (laughs) up the monotony of stale poker. Yeah. Which is still worth something. A hundred percent. Yeah. That retention is obviously worth a lot, Mm -hmm. but now now it becomes a question of like what cost, right? So... Where is the line between both parties leveraging uh, an opportunity versus one party exploiting another, mm-hmm. right? And I think that this is where, you know, that, that blurry line of, is it okay for them to have a tight shot on her boobs? Is it okay for them to follow her every single time she gets up? Is it okay for them to you know, only hold on the camera angle from behind so that there's a solid 90 seconds of just her ass in a shot. Right. I mean, from, so again, I sort of even, probably just today reframed this from a reality TV perspective in which they do do stuff like that. But if I'm just looking at it from a poker standpoint, this is currently like the most visible woman in poker. Mm -hmm. Um, We just don't have a lot of female players in general so unfortunately like she makes up a large percentage of visible women in poker just by being one and to me in the back of my mind I'm just thinking about um future women who might have an interest in being a person in the game seeing this is what you have to do in order to get eyes on you in this industry which is very unfortunate. I mean, and I don't think it's true and I don't support that message that you that that's the only way to become popular in the game. Um, but it, it is sort of a uneasy message to be sending um, to new it, women. It also is kind of the only way to become popular if you're not talented. Yeah. And that's not to say that Poker Bunny's not talented or that there aren't other talented women. But it is to say that it's the easiest way to fast track. Yeah, it'll definitely uh, fast uh, all track. eyes on you. 
right? And from the male side, it's also true uh, mimicking the Blazarian type of path, right? If you can, if you can fake being this playboy who is surrounded by, you know, gaggles money. of women and has access to infinite money, that draws in eyeballs. Mm-hmm. And now, if you have talent to back that, you get to stay, mm-hmm. basically, right? So it does. the The difference is, is that we have representation on the male side that isn't blitz right? We have plenty of just wildly talented players who make up the top 1% of, of poker and it's almost all exclusively men. Mm-hmm. So there are counterbalances to this sort of fast track, right? Yeah. We don't really have that so much like, from I the I feel like there side. used to be more visible women. There was like... Like live. Live, and, yeah, yeah. Like ba- back in that chunk of time, you know, there was a few female players that people could choose from as like, that's my favorite you, player right now. But you is still like under five. Yeah. Right. And the barrier was much <laughs> lower because to quantify talent, it was kind of just, you were intelligent and won. Or now to quantify talent, you have to stack up, not just against the best of your peers, but also against the, the objective answer. Mm-hmm. in the sims right so there isn't a whole lot of room in in our industry to be a freestyler especially if you're a woman yeah right like there's some room to be a Bryn kenny if you're a guy but i don't think uh a Bryn kenny like a female version of Bryn kenny who is comparably successful gets much in the way of accolades and i say that because Bryn gets scrutinized a ton. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's thrown up as like one of the five greatest players of all time. People don't view him that way. They do view him as a freestyler and think that like his time is coming where he'll fall. And it reminds me of like Selbst, who was very against the grain and kind of marched to her own drum, yeah. the beat of her own drum. Everyone and just said she was a punter. Yeah. I, she I mean, also won. So. Right. Yeah. She's, yeah. she's so far and away the most uh, profitable woman of all time that I don't know that we'll see it get caught anytime soon. And that's crazy to say, given that the amount of buy-in- It was like, like her and Chrissy, right? Yeah. And I think that she's like 3X Chrissy's. Uh, maybe that, that might be a little extreme, but I think she has something like 13 or 16 million in lifetime earnings. Mm-hmm. Something huge. I, I could be way off. It could be six and I would just sound like a total ass. Uh, but I know that uh, she's atop the woman's all-time money list. And it's crazy because like buy-ins are only getting bigger. Yeah. So uh, the ability to win a ton of money now is just a lot easier than it ever had been. But again, we just don't really see much in the way of women taking that path. So it does become a question then of, well, which came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Uh, do you develop talent first as a woman and then seek out these opportunities in whatever way you can? Or... Do you develop talent while building this image and brand that you can leverage mm-hmm. once you do feel talented enough to be able to hang in the arena? So Vanessa on the Henan Mob mm-hmm. won 12 million. Okay. Uh, Kusi has won 5.3. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So two and a half X. Yeah. 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 That, that, that was right around where I saw it. And like Chrissy's playing high rollers. So yeah. she's going to have to like really get after it for you know maybe another five to 10 years and compete at the 10K plus buy-in level in order to catch up to Vanessa. And 
Vanessa almost exclusively played 10Ks and below. Yeah. Right? So, like, these are big open field events where we're just, yeah, I mean, there isn't a whole lot of room. So, you know, what what do we do? Do we just lean in then to whatever girl's willing to leverage, um, you know, her looks or or whatever it is that people are into yeah. to become a character? Or do we wait and see, like, what kind of talent rises to the top? Right. Please wait. I think we wait. I mean, I think that, you know, maybe we're just in a little bit of a lull for women in poker right now, but I don't know. I have hope. I'll try and throw my hat in the ring. <laughs> I'll not, try my best. I'm not sure if this is the right word, but like, I think it's a slippery slope, like sexualizing women. Yeah. Like, I think it's very slippery slope. Like there's only so many women in this game and there's no need for guys are guys at a poker table. There's good. There's some good. There's some bad. And putting out this, I don't know. Well, it's especially it's especially limiting if we're already talking about a small subset of uh of the player pool in women alone, and then saying not only do you have to be good enough to win, but you also have to look a certain way. Yeah. Right now, you're just massively reducing the the pool, and it's like obviously no shock that only one or two may emerge in a decade or in a generation, whatever. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I think obviously that's problematic, but to that end, then if s- skill set aside, right, let's forget about whether or not she belongs from a talent standpoint, should then we lean into, uh, women like poker bunny garnering the spotlight for perhaps all the wrong reasons. Should we lean into it? Yeah. Like, should we like it? Well, no, more so should we be overly critical of it in order to hope that it gets reduced in the future or should we just kind of like take advantage of the fact that this is a female in poker getting Mm -hmm. the limelight is like is it better than nothing kind of thing no in my opinion no no um but i think it's beneficial to her and to people profiting from her but, but you don't, other than you don't that, think that it does anything I think it's to... setting us back, if anything. Okay. I think this is horrible you, for poker. you elaborate? Yeah, I, I think it's... I mean, if you just look at the way she's spoken about, it's not... There's not accolades. It's not about poker. It's about, oh, women must just suck dick for stakes. Oh, this is just another example of how, like, women just use their bodies to get ahead in this game while we're just in our... We're just rotting in our basements, like sad. And it's just like, it, it, to me, it creates more divide than, than anything else. And more, I don't like being lumped into that. Yeah, that, that does seem unfair uh, and a frustrating hurdle to overcome. And it's a weird one. I think Marley actually addresses this notion like pretty well because she deflects through humor a lot. Yeah. Um, but... You know, I can't imagine how frustrating it is to assume that if you're playing a certain stake level, you can't be good, but that you had to have given some sort of sexual favor in order right. to accomplish that. Yeah. And I've literally heard that about every single girl that has appeared in a high stakes game in the last five years. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, hell, I've been accused of being the benefactor. It's like <laughs> I've staked no one. Yeah. But somehow, like just because I play in the same games. You've staked uh, me. Well, and, and I'm just going to say... <laughs> I've staked no I, one I, in I high school. Do you any favors? Brian, you were doing sexual, sexual favors? favors? <laughs> 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 I'm 
Right. And like, and, and that's the thing. It's like, if I put Brian into a 200, 400 game tomorrow where he hasn't played professionally in half a decade and he's obviously going to be a spot, nobody would say, I bet he sucked Berkey's dick to get to this game. I'll say it. I'll, I'll be that, uh, yeah, you'll be that, that balancing voice. Right. Like, right. Like after a couple orbits of him misplaying a few hands, nobody's going to be like, whose dick did he suck to get right. this game? Right. Right. No, but yeah. They're exactly. going to assume that he has money outside of poker yeah. somehow or that uh, you know he is friends with somebody who has money outside of poker that just showed some grace and gave him a gift. Mm -hmm. But nobody would ever accuse him of a tit-for-tat relationship. Right. With women, it's only ever that. And I, don't, I agree with you in the sense that I don't think we do any heavy lifting for women in this industry by over-amplifying that they are sexual creatures and that they can leverage that for favors. Yeah. Do you think that the way that the poker mass populace views women in these spots is ever going to change? And if so, how? I think that's a really valid question. And uh, my immediate knee-jerk response is no. Yeah. So because my immediate knee-jerk response is no, then I start to question like, well, if I were a girl then, would I wanna be fighting hard against this narrative? Or do I want to find ways into just leveraging on it? it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have this struggle in my mind every day because, of course, it would be extremely easy for me to take that route. I could start an OnlyFans and make 500K a year, but that's, it's just not, it doesn't resonate with me. Personally. I'm not even saying to actually like go, go through no, but, with it. But I'm saying to just embrace the, right? Like, so uh, what I'm getting at is like, I'm thinking about like, Beautiful women that play higher stakes. They're all somewhere on some subreddit being accused of sucking dick for steak, right? Mm -hmm. And what I'm basically saying is like, to my knowledge, none of them have. Right. At least not as that being I the sole source. I personally don't know anyone who has, but I do know, um, I know a, a guy who's used sexual stuff to back himself. I don't know any women God though. bless him. God bless. <laughs> uh, but, but what I'm getting Get at is like, uh, is, is it, is it more uh, efficient for those girls in the arena who have the undercurrent or the undertones constantly in the back of their head or uh, I guess like in the back of their ear uh, saying like you perform sexual favors in order to get here? Is it more efficient for them to just like stop fighting against that narrative yeah. and embrace the opportunity and leverage that as much as they can. No, 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 <laughs> not actually doing it. No, no, not actually doing it. Yeah. But like, there's a lot of EV that comes attached to the perception that you would. Yeah, no, true. And I think, yeah, there is a sort of line of, I think there's a lot of EV in, in sort of letting people think that they could. Um, but it's, it just seems a little bit, uh, I don't know. I mean, I just, I think it's, it's unfortunate because it is plus EV to, to lean into that, but it's at, at what cost? Yeah, yeah. It seems like it could also be like misguided slash misleading and then potentially dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like people might think that if you lean in, if you lean into it, you're serious and it's a potential possibility. Yeah. I, I do agree that there is, it's very, very hard. For girls to joke marley makes jokes about this all the time i know marley very well marley's never done anything scrupulous to get backing mm -hmm. and 
uh, she constantly she like leans in. her whole stick, man. I mean, that I honestly, <laughs> her my, her way might be like the most, uh, the least stressful way Correct. to like deal with it because yeah. it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, but the, but that. but the point like of getting at the is, hold of the narrative, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. The point I'm getting at is because she joked, or maybe not because, but uh, on top of her joking about it, the there there is an underlying narrative that that's exactly how she got to play high stakes. Yeah. And obviously, like that's silly, um, but does championing against this narrative stop people from pursuing it anyway? No. You know what I mean? People who think that probably have a lot of other preconceived notions about the opposite sex. So, so I guess like going along those lines, then let's kind of talk about like what the potential fallout is if this is just something in our community that we're willing to accept and embrace, right? Like if the whole idea is that for a woman to get ahead in a male dominated community and for what it's worth, like this is a tale as old as time, right? Like this is the secretary sleeping with her boss in order to get a promotion type Mm. of, or like in Hollywood Weinstein. Yeah. 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 Like if you want to get the role. So obviously like there's a lot of heavy lifting to be done to change that narrative. And I don't think anyone on this set is going to do it in any time, any short order. And I don't expect poker community to be the one to lead the charge. No. <laughs> They'll that, be the last ones to right, adopt that, it. That suddenly, like, <laughs> we're the ones who solve me too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I'm getting at is, like, it's going to continue to exist. It's a, it's a cash flow industry where clearly females have an inherent advantage uh, to be able to leverage their looks, their sexuality, and things of that nature, right? So it's going to happen whether we want it to or not. Narratives are going to pop up whether we dispel them or not, right? So what's the potential fallout? Because now all of a sudden we have this fishbowl that is social media and uh, live streams and YouTube and things like that. And women inherently are just the biggest fish in the pond, right? They draw the, mo- the, the most eyeballs they garner the most attention. What can be the potential fallout then of this if you're constantly under scrutiny, you're under the microscope, you're continually hearing these narratives that probably aren't true, um, and you're constantly being reduced to a sexual being in an industry where you're trying to be talented. Yeah, or at least just be taken seriously yeah. As, as seriously as, as a if peer. you would, yeah, yeah, if you would, if you were a male, I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot of implied potential fallout, um, just in terms of, like we said, about the way women are perceived. But I, I, I agree. I don't think it's really going to change much. We just sort of have to find our own ways to cope with that. What about at an individual level, like? I don't think we've been running this experiment long enough in the poker industry to really know what the the downside is to, you know, plucking a bunny out of the group and saying like, okay, she's going to be the character that we build this show around. And we are not only going to highlight the antics, but we're going to encourage them to some degree. Like, how does, how does this all potentially end? And, right. you know, what does the happy ending look like versus... The, the worst case scenario. I think the happy ending would be her growing out of it and become, I mean, it, it seems like from what Could she I become a tell. spokesman of the industry of women? Could she, could she be that face 
growing out of this, evolving out, being in high stakes for a decade, would be a big heel turn. I mean, it, it, she's probably stacked her odds in terms of, um, being taken seriously as like a high roller competitor. It would be a big change in brand. I don't think it's impossible. Um, it's sort of like from what I have observed, like it seems like she's sort of on one hand is reaping the benefits of marketing herself in this way, but on the other hand, like wants to be taken seriously as a studied professional. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to do both. Like you kind of have to choose one and put your ego aside and and just do that. Um, it's really hard to expect the public to see you as both. Right. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's hard. I don't know her personally. And it's, she says that she's only seen benefits from this. But I, I know just on a smaller scale that it can be really hard to be constantly criticized by the public. Uh, like, I wasn't even getting criticized that much. Like, when I was streaming or, or just being in the public, like you could probably speak to this more, just like being in the public eye yeah. and receiving criticism. It can be really tough if you are, like, if you're not in the headspace to to stay grounded during that well, on top of that you're inviting it yeah right so like yeah and you were yeah. the only one inviting it also well not a, not really it's getting amplified by these mediums also right so like when you go on a live stream not only are you inviting criticism but now it's being amplified by the producers of the show and and the audience etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah I, I think everybody in this room has some experience with it uh landon you're probably most uh yeah, most recently to you it gets easier the more you deal with it like at the start um i guess the biggest negative feedback when it comes to an ego perspective or perspective when it comes to being credible in poker i guess would be like having to quit the perkins challenge a quarter of the way through and then i didn't see much of twitter as i was told to take a break from it for <laughs> a couple of weeks but from the rumblings that i did here slash relog into twitter and see uh, a lot of it was like calling me a quitter, scammer, this, that, whatever, like you name it. And at first it sucks because it's like, I didn't know that people thought of me this way. But as soon as like people have the, like you give them an inch and they'll take a mile. Yeah. So as soon as that starts happening and that becomes something that you think resonates with you personally, it becomes a lot more of a struggle to think about how to either help the community in a positive way or what's it all for. And then the more that that sort of happens, and the more that that dies down, the more that I've realized personally that none of it matters. Yeah. Like what matters to me and what matters in my like aggr- progression through poker slash life or branding myself or whatever is the people that are in my corner are always going to be in my corner. And I know that. Anything else is kind of irrelevant. Yeah. But- I, I mean, I think it's really impossible to uh, overlook how much being in a niche community and being a recognizable face in one uh yeah it parallels to high school in a lot of ways you know uh being consistently invalidated at something that you're pouring all your time and energy into it's a really strong uphill climb to be able to shrug that off and stay on course for the the bigger goal or the bigger objective at hand uh and i think that you know it's worth noting that there are pitfalls to this right so it wasn't that long ago maybe 10, 15 years ago uh, that we saw something similar to this happen in the poker community. Brandon, uh, Brandon, uh, Brandy Harbaker was 
a very attractive girl who came onto the scene in the early 2000s and kind of made a splash in the online forums as a very divisive uh, individual. She, uh, you know, she won a little bit here and there, but she was like very outspoken in the forums and took a ton of flack, right? Like just a lot of pushback from the community, a lot of, um, uh, I guess, I don't want to say arguments, but uh, just scrutiny as a whole. And part of that was because she was leading with uh, the sexualized nature of the male-female dynamic in this community. And she was leveraging it hard. Um, you know, uh, Andre didn't show the picture, but uh, there, there's a picture of her like wearing a full tilt patch uh, as a pasty. You know, it's like that shit gets clicks. And we're talking about like 2006 where social media wasn't really that big of a thing yet. Forums were where everything got amplified. Uh, poker media at the time is where everything got amplified. There's a lot. Sh she's spent more time on card player than I have as far as like photos, articles, things like that. Like there's more about her than there is about me. And I was in the game for 20 years. I think she was in the game for like 18 months. Um, so like, you know, sex does sell. And she leveraged that hard and there was just a lot of, whether they were incels or uh, just disgruntled men that were very vocal and in invalidating her as a person, as a poker player, as a respected individual in the community. Uh, and no matter what her results were, nothing could take away that invalidation. Um, and it led to what I would assume to be validating behavior seeking, right? So... She dated within the community. She dated, uh, she, she seemed to date successful players who could potentially mentor her, but more importantly, maybe shield her from some of the scrutiny or the invalidation that was constantly taking place. And it only would amplify. Uh, she had a mentorship with David Skolansky, who seemingly took pretty heavy advantage of her uh, in what was described as a tit for tat relationship where um, you know, they were like traveling together and it seemed to just be very creepy without getting into all the details. Uh, maybe this is a rabbit hole we'll go down someday in another podcast, but it's, it's too long to, uh, to, to get into now. But ultimately this resulted in her taking her own life, right? And you know, her family basically said like she did have some mental illnesses that were maybe a little bit undisclosed and uh, that's probably always going to be an underlying factor when suicide is involved. But we've seen a lot occur in the last 20 years as far as bully culture goes and cyberbullying. And, you know, this is a real outcome that is a non-zero chance of happening. And I'm not, I'm not laying this on Poker Bunny. I'm not saying, like, she's going to take this to some extreme degree. But I am saying that we have examples of this having happened in the past. And whether it's this iteration with Poker Bunny now or another female somewhere down the line who sees this, emulates it, gets blown up as being in the spotlight, and then ultimately understands it's more than she wanted, right? And it, it portrays her in a way that she doesn't want to be perceived by peers or by the general public. How much, how much responsibility do we have to shield young women from this right like be it hustler live as a show be it the poker community as a whole uh be it us at an individual level when playing with women like you know from your vantage point as as a young woman like is there anything that you would expect from 
a corporation, a show, a community, an individual, or anything along those lines. I mean, it would be different if they were like blatantly manipulating her into doing this, but uh, it's pretty. She's made it pretty clear that like she wants this, mm-hmm. even from um, the way that she titles her own clickbait. She doesn't mind drawing negative publicity to herself, knowing that it will result in more attention so i mean but do we want this do we want i, I personally don't like, um, i mean like do we want this as a community like it's well i guess that's my bigger point right like should something happen right like when when brandy committed suicide uh the two plus two forum had blood on their hands <laughs> david sklansky to some degree had blood on his hands right like there's no getting around that and i, I guess like that's something that i don't want it to be lost in this conversation like when bad things occur I'm not saying that uh, we'll play the blame game thereafter, but I'm kind of saying that people will have had a hand in it. Yeah, as, as we talk, the only thing I can hear is we as a community. In, in a way, shape, or form. I'm not sure what it is, but like... Well, yeah. it, it can be not celebrating the train wreck when it's televised, right? That, that could be it. What we all watched. I watched the fucking shit yeah. out of it. With that shit <laughs> it's out of hard. It. I have a very nihilistic view of all this. I think the writing is on the wall and it kind of sucks. And, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but we already have, we have a framework of all of this, which is like reality television and 24 hour news. Yeah. Both of them have gone down the same path and they're much more matured than the poker community is. Like this is, Poker Bunny to me is like Jersey Shore or a real, real world that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Where, now, you know, 2022 right now, look at where the Learning Channel is. Look at where Discovery Channel is. Turn it on in a hotel ever. It's reality TV. It's just what people crave. Um, in terms of news, this is between the cycles. Like, literally, Poker Bunny is between cycles of huge people coming on, whether it's still Ivy or any of the news. Yeah, it's just to retain viewers in that Tuesday through Thursday time slot. Correct. And so what I'm thinking is like, you know, we know how this scales. Which they're going to look for more people like Poker Bunny where they can retain those viewers because at the end of the day, the goal is always how can I get the most money out of, out of the community? How can I have lowest upfront cost? Correct. Not for nothing. I'd be perfectly fine if Landon was on there with – Bunny ears or something along those lines. I think it's because- a banana hammock. Yeah, banana hammock. <laughs> like, listen, like, seriously. Listen, man. I, I don't it's, like it's, 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 that all, it's, it's almost summer. We're almost there. I don't like, I, I think it's, not, I just don't like the feeling of um, sexualizing women okay. and like just doing to this. It to feels the minority. It's the minority. That's the problem to me. Yeah. yeah. It, it feels it's the minority and, and men are fucking men. Like, this, this doesn't lead to, I don't know. It doesn't lead to good, not pl- good. It's not, you know, like, it's not a, a good message when you are blatantly objectifying a woman's body on the live stream in a male-dominated field where a lot of the men are already having ideas about women as objects. I mean, it's not a, it's from just a a general safety standpoint. Like it doesn't make me feel more safe in the parking lot. (laughs) I, I I think that that's like the first course of corrective action that could be taken is just it's not avoiding it. It's just doing a better job of portraying it, right? Like, 
you don't need a dedicated bunny cam. Uh, you don't need to go out of your way to focus on her outfit, right? Like just treat her as any other player there and let her personality do the heavy lifting. Uh, I think that's a lot more reasonable and fair. And it doesn't, it doesn't pin these undertones that aren't being spoken, right? Yeah, she's dressing a certain way, but she's not talking about uh, leveraging sex for opportunities or anything like that. But when you're constantly filming her in a way that implies with the way she's dressed and the fact that she's here and the fact that she's willing to allow us to almost sexualize her through the way she's, um, the, the way she's like telecast. Now it's very, it's not a large leap for the audience to, to start to make these assumptions. I'm going to finally play that clip by the way. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, this is just like a one-off, right? You could probably compile all of Yeah, uh, and had you let that clip run a little bit longer, she actually just like, as she sits down, she's like, oh my God, like, was the camera just on my ass? And it's kind of like one of those things where I can't tell as a viewer if she's actually upset that they would have the audacity to film her in a way where her ass is the main focus, or if it's more of a lighthearted, like, oh man, like well, here. Also like, does this become the standard? Like if I were to go on a stream, is, are they going to zoom in on, you know, cause I don't want that, but right. is that going to become yeah. the standard for when a woman is on a live stream that we get zoomed in on in that way? And that's, that's like what we don't know. We don't know like how much discussion is taking place. Like we don't know if, uh, Patrick was kind of like, hey, like, this is the angle I want to take with you. What do you think? Yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, definitely, uh, I'll dress a certain way and highlight that as much as you possibly can. Right. What I mean, if that it, was the case? I, I think that it's fine for Hustler Live, and I think it's fine for Bunny. I think it's bad for the overall community. Yeah, Does like, anything it, change from a Hustler standpoint if they're, if they're concerned about their own viewership? Um... Like, the reason why I ask is because if it's good for them and, like, it's like, oh, who cares about the poker community, what's, well, why change? Well, you know, let's go to an extreme case. Like, what if she physically harms herself? Yeah. And, and points to this as the trigger. Yeah. Right? Like, that should change something. Yeah. But we can preemptively just do better. Uh, I, I actually said this to her the last time I played with her, and I think it's really relevant to the conversation as a whole. Uh, I said this to to Paulina because when she speaks in game, she is in her own world where she believes that she's in this fishbowl and she's the only fish and everybody's watching and scrutinizing every single little thing, right? Like there were a couple other clips I didn't, I didn't chop out, but like one was she got check raised on like a nine, nine, five board. And she was just like, Oh my God, you did that because I did this, 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 this. And it's like, no, he did it. Cause he had a nine. He wasn't looking at you. He didn't notice any of these little quirks that you think he noticed. And, it just reminds me of like the David Foster Wallace speech of this is water where we're so convinced that we're the center of the universe and that the entire world around us and our reality all revolves around us specifically. Uh, and I think this directly applies here because I think from the vantage point of bunny, that's the way she views this opportunity. Uh, I think from the vantage point of hustler live, that's the way that this opportunity is being viewed. And it's solely like, what can I do for clicks? And it's not really considering the ripple effect of the potential <clears throat> negative outcomes. And 
we don't have to look that far, right? Garrett is a very willing participant in these live games. He benefits tremendously from them. He gets to play really great games. He gets to make a living doing something that he absolutely loves. And he gets to become a bit of a star in his own little arena, right? But there's a big part of him that doesn't want that fanfare. There's a big part of him that doesn't want that spotlight. There's a big part of him that avoided it for a long time. And he's spoken out heavily about how impactful it was and some of the deep, dark depressions that he spiraled into. Maybe it was directly correlated. Maybe it was only indirectly correlated. But it is absolutely something that we have to consider. Like being under the microscope 24-7 and constantly being validated or invalidated on a bunch of nameless faces that you've never met or spoken to in real life is something that will weigh on the human psyche a lot, particularly if you're already predisposed to any sort of negative fallout. So I, I think like, you know, the, the end-all be-all message of the this is water is look beyond the four walls that you're entrapped in, right? Like look, look at the world in a, a, a different light where, um, you know, the, the real hit home point is when he says, uh, you know, you're in a, a line at the grocery store and you're tired and you had a long day and you just want to get home and this grocery cashier is dead behind the eyes and taking your time and doesn't seem to care about anybody else, yada, 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 only to come to find out that like she just lost her husband and, you know, her mind is, it's like, if you can find that level of grace and empathy to look and analyze all these spots in a bigger picture way, I think we ultimately come up with a better product. I think we actually are able to achieve scale in a meaningful way because what we're trying to do right now isn't moving the needle. Achieving scale by increasing our clicks by 10% by including somebody that is, you know, potentially being, uh, or potentially ending up worse for wear based off of how intensive the process is, isn't true scale. That doesn't get us into other arenas. It's low hanging fruit. Exactly. It doesn't get us into other arenas. It doesn't bring in other um, already disenfranchised groups such as women, minority, et cetera, et cetera, right? We need a bigger picture solution when we're talking about the growth in this industry if we ever care to see that industry grow. Otherwise, it's just going to be a bunch of selfish actors trying to increase their bottom line by some degree. Until it just continuously devolves, as you see happen to YouTube channels, where they'll start off with some little thing, it gets lots of clicks, and then there's like four years go by, like this mukbang guy who was just a normal-sized man, and then four years go by, he's been just trying to keep up with the clicks and trying to increase them, and then he's this huge man, and every, yeah. his health is terrible. I mean, that's sort of like a metaphor for how it could go. And you don't have to look any further than online poker. If mm -hmm. everybody involved is only looking out to increase their bottom line, it becomes, it, it becomes apocalyptic, right? Like it, it just becomes something that is a dying star where the end is already written, right? It, it's already dead. We're just watching the process of that death. You can say that's true now. I do think it's true now. Yeah. That, that's why I use it as an example. And I don't think it's true yet for live. Yeah. But I don't think we're that far off. Like this, this industry is struggling to bring in outside money and the reason why we're not touched by advertisers the reason why we're not touched by uh an influx of money from comparable markets like sports betting and crypto etc we are to some degree but not to the degree that we could be the reason for that is because we've made ourselves unmarketable yeah and this just furthers that narrative in my it's opinion. interesting because like mpts do really well 
Yeah. Like live MTTs, like CBD. Barrier of entry is nil. Right. But then when it comes to the cash game scene, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Especially when it comes to like public games at the casino aren't really that real anymore. Like they right. are sometimes, but yeah. most of them are just privatized. And why wouldn't they be? Right. It's better bottom line for everyone involved. Yeah. I think that, uh, I think that's the struggle, right? Until we become a marketable industry, we just continually are going to contract uh, until we go back to the way things were in the 90s, where it's 100 people nationwide playing this game professionally, trying to round up a sucker or two that will help them pay their bills. Uh, and that's a very dystopian future. <laughs> from my vantage point it's also a long it's way far, away. it's far yeah that's far but it's a long way away because we way. had the, the the boom was so massive like a, and, and it rippled out so far that it would it would take decades for us to get to that point but i don't think that <laughs> i think we're much more along that path than we are the path of growth yeah we'd hopefully all be out of poker by then yeah in 30 years yeah but, but i sure. i don't want to be the guy who left a community worse for wear yeah, and when I first entered it, you know, it's I mean? like a, it's like a hill right now, or like poker is kind of on like the decline of, of the hill. Yeah, and then dies, <laughs> <laughs> and then it dies. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation <laughs> that we had. Yeah. Nice spot to end uh, regarding uh, all things drama, I guess. Uh, poker streams, poker characters, poker, poker personalities. That's going to do it for us today. Uh, Christian will be back tomorrow. I'm heading to Pittsburgh on actually tomorrow night. So uh, we're going to record and then I'm going to take off on a flight. Landon's actually going to be going to Texas as well. So he'll be out the rest of the week. I'll be calling in uh, from PA where I'll be playing the BetMGM series. Um, if you guys are in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, or Michigan, be sure to check that out. Uh, I think they kicked off yesterday with some pretty big guarantees. There are still spots open for the uh, the heads-up tournament. It's a 1K buy-in. They're adding 10000 to first, so they're basically doubling first-place prize. Uh, be sure to check that out. And just be sure to tune into the stream. Um, I'll be giving away a ton of phase tickets to the main event. Well, free. All you got to do is show up. That's going to do it for today's episode. I know it was a long one. I appreciate you guys all sticking through. Please like, comment, subscribe if you haven't already. Please give us your opinion on today's show. Uh, there's a lot of discussion points. I'm looking forward to carrying on the conversation even further in those comments. Uh, we appreciate you guys as always, and we'll see you tomorrow.